Thought maybe you boys might be interested in putting on a big-time wrestling bout. You know, make a nice hunk of dough for yourself. It's time to Yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. Morgan, you're out of here. You don't have the right temperament for the trade. You're a dead man. What am I supposed to do? There's always barber college. Frankie, I know you're a great wrestler, but my brother, who ain't as handsome as you, is as strong as Charles Atlas. Yeah, but I've wrestled women that are bigger than him. Sure, you got fat, sloppy women. Hello, welcome to Camel Clutch Cinema, the podcast where we talk about movies that star wrestlers or have wrestling in them. I'm Guy Hutchinson. And I'm Craig Cohen. On this week's episode, we are talking about the 1987 film, Body Slam, which we mentioned when we did Rad. Yes, when we did the Rad show, we talked about this because Hal Needham also directed this one. And... uh, Pretty interesting film. Had you ever seen this before? You know, sitting down to watch it, I realized I had seen it when I initially didn't uh, thought I hadn't, mm-hmm. and I probably haven't seen it since around 1987. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. See, I saw this one. I think the first time I saw this was much, much later. I don't think I saw this until maybe like mid 90s because it wasn't I mean this was a hard to find movie it never showed up in theaters and then came straight to video and you know years ago what a lot of kids don't understand is things weren't as easy to access if something was straight to video you would go to your video store they may not have it and they didn't go you'd have to go to the one two towns over and there was no internet you didn't even know it was out if it wasn't at your video store so so anyway, I had seen this, though, and I'd seen it a bunch of times. I'd probably seen this about five or six times over the past ten years, uh, just because it's an easy film to watch. Totally. Uh, very short, you know, an hour and a half, uh, dopey comedy film that doesn't really drag at any point. Uh, in a in a roundabout way, I shouldn't. I, I don't want to heap too much praise on it because it's one of the dumbest movies of the 1980s, which is saying something because it's a decade of dumb movies. But it's a movie that I found I could pop in at a lot of times. Did you find a plot summary on this? I couldn't. I looked around. I could not find an easy plot summary. I so. Well, that's the, that's the problem. I think there is no easy plot summary. <laughs> well, I, what I think, it may be just because it didn't go out to theaters. Yeah. There wasn't like a press-ready mm-hmm. plot summary. Uh, but what I, what I summarized, just to, mm-hmm. for anybody that hasn't seen this, the plot of this movie is Harry Smilek, played by Dirk Benedict, is a concert promoter who mistakenly signs Roddy Piper as his he, he him to manage Roddy Piper not knowing that Roddy Piper is a wrestler and then combines rock and wrestling while Captain Lou Albano and, playing Captain Lou Morano yes that's right and uh, and also an Asian uh, like a Korean uh, attorney yeah, like, or accountant yeah or something. he's working for a loan shark basically yeah so then these two guys are chasing him and they end up going on a tour around the country bringing rock and wrestling together it's a it's a it's a silly comedy well you uh, forgot the whole, lot of the whole subplot about the the senator <laughs> yeah I mean we'll go ahead I was just trying to surmise <laughs> well, what that's the, the thing story about is. the plot Um yeah, well, that's how the love interest gets introduced. He's supposed to put together a benefit concert for this senator uh, that he completely botches. Right, right, yes, yes. So the movie opens, uh, Dirk Benedict driving, like, his Ferrari, Ferrari Porsche, yeah. what, uh, you know, super red 80s car. Yeah, dressed like a character 
out of Back to the Future 2's <laughs> version of 2015. Okay. <laughs> I guess it's a shark skin suit, maybe. Very shiny. Yeah. Very shiny. He, he actually looks like also maybe uh, a rejected Miami Vice character. Okay. I almost the whole time I'm watching this movie, <laughs> I was like, I, yeah. I wonder if Don Johnson got this script first. God, I wouldn't be surprised. Dirk says, by the way, that he really enjoyed making this film, and the only thing he was disappointed about was that it didn't get released theatrically because there was a bunch of lawsuits. Mm -hmm. Uh, The producers, I guess, argued with Hal Needham because he had rewritten the film. Uh, And Dirk also says that prior to making this film, he didn't know that wrestling was fixed. Oh wow! So this sort of yeah, he said uh, that's where he learned it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um, it actually before the shot of him in the car, there's some commentary by Chick Hearn, who we see throughout the movie, who is a legendary Lakers announcer. Oh, okay, and is really slumming it in this film. <laughs> <laughs> now the version I watched was a VHS, I guess, a copy of it. Sure. Um, it had the Orion logo at the beginning. Yes. So it's it was just weird to see the Orion logo and then think that this went you know that barely got an opening. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, the reason it didn't get an opening was because of the lawsuit. Yeah, Yeah, it dragged on. I mean, if you look at Piper in this, I don't know what year they filmed this, but this was not filmed around the same time it came out. There was, I mean, there's you know some lag in between, Mm -hmm. um, which is uh, I think I think it dragged on for years. You know, I think there was just a lot of problems, and I think. It's also, I think at some point when you have a lawsuit and the producers are involved, sometimes the studio's like, well, let's not make any money on this so they <laughs> yeah, don't get it. Yeah, it's like, yeah, just uh, taking your ball and going home. That's right. Yeah, uh, yeah this came out May 17th, 1987. Mm-hmm. So uh, Yeah, a lot of the websites I saw listed as 86, though. So, yeah, which yeah. makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it makes total sense that, you know, it would have been made, you know, uh, before that. I, I might even think this would have been closer to 85, maybe early 86, but yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense because the subject matter by 87, the rock and wrestling thing had <laughs> happened and was over. Yeah. You know, I mean, this is, you're talking the run up to WrestleMania 3 at this yeah. point. Mm-hmm. So uh, I find that really interesting. But yeah, he's driving on the PCH, he's in his car, uh, he sees this girl. And I guess he makes his cell phone ring, and then is like, look at me, I'm on a cell yeah. phone. She's not impressed with the Ferrari, but he's no. like, maybe she'll be impressed with my mobile phone. People were more <laughs> impressed by mobile phones than Ferraris then. We uh, we see his attorney who's got like this, um, well, first we see that his career is not going yeah, His well. car gets repossessed. <laughs> yes. he, he, go, he brings it to the valet, and the valet is, I guess, a... Uh, uh, a repo man. I guess that's his deal. He'll yeah. he'll just stand there and wait for somebody <laughs> to pull like up a in a car. <laughs> He's got like a bunch of stack of pictures. He's like, oh wait, this is one. All right. Yeah, I mean that's a pretty good scam that guy had running. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he goes to see his, um, I guess, attorney, mm-hmm. which is uh, which is Barry Gordon, playing this character. Barry Gordon's very famous. He's done a lot of acting. He's done a lot of voices. He did voices for like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle cartoon and done a lot of other movies. But what he's most famous for, when he was a little kid, he sung I'm Getting Nothing for Christmas. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> in the 1950s. <laughs> uh, he was also like president of the Screen Actors Guild, I think, at one point. Uh, but so we see him. He's got like this beautiful like bimbo <laughs> that's teaching him aerobics. Aerobics, yeah. And he said... Uh... In a couple weeks, I'll have a body like that. And I forgot what Dirk Benedict says, but uh, <laughs> something like it'll look great on you or something. <laughs> so they have a talk, and uh, you know, this is where we're finding that this is a guy who used to be on top of the music business, but 
time he's hit hard times. Dusty Rhodes style hard times. Yeah. He probably signed one or two acts that really fizzled, you know, uh, for every um, Pat Benatar he signed, he had a, a Rockwell. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's the, I always feel like somebody's watching me, guy. I like that. Um, so I guess he's been body slammed, but I don't think that body slam needs to be the title for this movie. No, it actually would have made more sense for the other Roddy Piper vehicle we, we did on the show uh, uh, last year, uh, tag, tag, team, tag Team, which I think you and Captain both said you thought was going to be called Body Slam. Yeah, because yeah. they're like, because uh, they, they Body they, Slam somebody <laughs> and then say Tag Team, and then the, there's the thing with the dog, the dog, what the dog's name was his name, Body Slam? I, think so. I don't remember. <laughs> no idea. But um, yeah, I mean, there's no, aside from the fact that this is a wrestling movie, they could have called this Leg Drop. Or suplex. Leg drops, uh, terrible. Uh, <laughs> suplex, I like. Because he lands on his back, and he has to get up. I mean, he's suplex his, would almost make more sense. He's on his, ba- he's on his back. I like suplex. Uh, double axe handle mm-hmm. is horrible. Mm-hmm. Drop kick, I'm not, I'm not, yeah. I'm not totally sold on it, mm-hmm. because there are no drop kicks, really, in this film. But arm bar? Arm bar's no good. No, you can't go arm bar, Craig. Um, doomsday device <laughs> definitely is not... Uh, not going to work for this. Sleeper hold would be bad because people would say this is a dull film, yeah, yeah. I guess. It's going to put me to sleep. Figure four leg lock. Oh, that's not bad. But you know, like uh, like the 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 uh, the reviewers, if it was called like Sleeper Hold, would be like, would it put me to sleep? Do you think there's like a guy at the studio that tests each title to see how a critic would mock the film? Yeah, they probably have like a, a critic simulator. <laughs> yes. And you know, probably back in the eighties, it was developed. It probably cost millions of dollars to create this, you know, this this simple program that you know, a, you know, a twelve year old can make on their computer now. But yeah, they probably feed the title in, and then yeah. it shoots out all of the negative reviews that can be generated from that title. I don't know. I just picture like a Gene Shallot looking guy in a room, and they're like, "No holds barred," and he's like, "No talent involved," and they're like, "Well, that's not that good." All right, yeah, we can do that one. They're, they're their headline won't be that good. He's like, wait, wait, get back here. I've got <laughs> yeah. more. They're like, they're like Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. And he's like, ask for a ban on this movie because it sucks. And they're like, damn it, that's rough. <laughs> they're like, the mummy returns. He's like, the mummy shouldn't return. Should have stayed where it was. <laughs> like, all right, that doesn't that work. We can go with that one. So uh, so he lost his car, so he shows up to see one of the many cameos in this film. Uh, John Aston. John Aston, yeah, which uh, I thought was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Just I guess. Gomez Adams yeah, from the Adams, Adams family. family. And, and looking great in this movie. I love him with the gray hair. you know. And, his, and that guy worked that mustache like nobody's business. Yeah, he really did. He owned it. So basically, Harry is in, he's in like... Um, Scambo the entire movie. Yes, and this scam is one of my favorites. It, it, it is a really good scam. So he's got to figure out a way to get another set of wheels, but he can't just drive around in a Pinto. <laughs> he's got to be in a, you know, a set of wheels that, you know, uh, fit his perceived lifestyle. Right. So he comes up with this whole scenario that he's he's got tickets to go see Springsteen. Right. And, and two babes. And he's got two babes, but he's got to go pick them up at the airport first. And then he says, oops, 
I don't have a car to do that, or you know, uh, my Ferrari's a two seater and we need yeah. four seats. Yep. So how about I borrow this Rolls Royce? Is it a Rolls? Uh, I don't know what kind of car yeah. it was. It was an interesting car, and he was like, "It belongs to so and so," and he's like, "I'll bring it to him tomorrow." Yeah. Uh, and then we see that they were not Springsteen. He tickets. says, "Yeah, give me the tickets, yeah, and see, I'll meet you John and the Aston's girls." Aston's on yeah. top of things. He goes, meet, "Yeah, meet me at the arena, but give me the tickets, and yeah. you bring the girls." He's been burned before yeah. by Harry Smilak, <laughs> yes. and they're tickets to a Jewish yodeling festival. Now, I say this: I've seen Springsteen. I've also not been to a Jewish yodeling festival. If I had my choice, I would definitely be at the Jewish yodeling festival. It just sounds incredible. Yeah. And also the fact that Springsteen mm-hmm. would be playing an arena yeah. that could also house <laughs> the Jewish yodeling festival, which would get 20,000 so people. you're saying that the tickets looked identical <laughs> because they were both from, like, the L.A. Sports Yeah, yeah I, I mean... They were both playing the Coliseum that weekend, yeah. Springsteen on Friday. <laughs> that have sold out Yodeling Festival. Yeah, I can see the sign outside, you know, with the the, the Yodeling Festival in big letters. Jewish Yodeling Festival. I'm telling you, that's like such a great prop. That's one that could easily be recreated. Um, I, I might have to do that, get a print shop program and just work up my Jewish yodeling festival tickets. So are they yodeling in Hebrew? Yeah, that's that's the thing. I guess it is Hebrew or Yiddish. Or, or was it just Jewish yodelers? People, yeah. See, yodeling, I don't think... I think yodeling has to do with the Alps, which is Switzerland. So this is... Maybe it's a combo. <laughs> maybe it's like people from the Alps that converted. Okay. <laughs> and started started a festival. But I'm telling you, it's not even a concert. This is a festival. Yeah. This is multiple acts. <laughs> so um so we then see That's gets, the movie I wanna I want to start watching. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes home and this is where we see this man and they, they multiple times they mention that he's a uh, like a Korean, um, they say Korean, and I think at some point uh, Harry calls him Japanese. Yeah, they keep so making jokes. He, he makes jokes about well, anything but goes, Koreans. <laughs> I'm here to for, for corrections, and he's like, "What are you trying to correct?" And he's like, "I'm correcting the money that you owe." It's like yeah. wah wah, yeah. and it's 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 not the last of the anti PC no. humor in yeah. this movie. And he owes them. Uh, who he owes this syndicate, I guess. Right, which 60, includes the Wild Samoans. The Wild Samoans as the say. Koreans. Bodyguards, Afa and Sika. Um, But he owes them an amount of money that wasn't rounded up or down. He owes them $67,000, a couple hundred dollars, and 19 cents. Why not? (laughs) Is that like the interest cost? Like, every time he sees them, it's still 19 cents, though. So there's no juice running on this. It's like, at some point, you you round it up. No, no, (laughs) there was a... See, when he borrowed the money, he was like, he, he was like, why, well, and I need 19 cents. And the guy counted out 19 cents, and he just wants all his money back. <laughs> I think at that point, you either round it up and be like, hey, you're going to no, give me a quarter no, back. You, you get your 19 no, cents. Look, this is not a crook. This is just a guy who wants his money back, Craig. He just wants to be compensated. I was thinking, the whole time, every time I see hear Harry Smilak, I think of Batman. Uh, the uh, the the wasn't it Smilax spray or or, or oh the, 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 the cosmetics company yeah, yeah in Batman, I believe it yeah. was called and if it wasn't it's it reminded me of that and I just always remember like the Joker on the beach and they all yeah. taking Smilax and yeah. they it may have been Smilax or yeah. something but it, it was a weird name Harry Smilax yeah I know it it was one of those names where it made me feel like 
the producer knew a guy named Harry Smilak and thought it would be really funny if the character's name was Harry Smilak. So when his friend Harry Smilak saw the movie, Harry Smilak would laugh at the fact that yeah. there's a guy named Harry Smilak. Yeah, and then there's a, the, another weird name. Uh, she'll she'll turn up in a couple minutes. But Tanya Roberts plays a, a girl named Candace Vanderwegen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why not? Um, so this is where we see Roddy Piper. So the scene is, this is Piper. Like Twenty minutes into the movie, too. yeah, we haven't seen him yet. We, I mean, this movie slowly builds. You know, I say it doesn't drag, but that's probably not the right way to look at it. It's just I like the way it drags. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm fond of its dragginess. Yeah, um, it's always moving. It's always moving. Yeah. It's just not moving any yeah, place it's in doing particular. Doing a figure eight, you know, it's, right. not, it's not hitting a straight line. So. So, okay, Roddy Piper's in the office of the, with the promoter. The, the right? booker of the L.A. sports uh, arena, I think, or the sports con- uh, convention center. Right. Either way, on his door it said, it said uh, booker. <laughs> and, and I just love the idea that this guy, he booked all the acts coming through, be it wrestlers, yeah. be it the rodeo, be it the Jewish Jodeling Festival. Took care of everybody yeah. individually. <laughs> because... Piper's not a promoter. Yeah. He's one wrestler that's talking to this guy. Yeah, yeah. It, it does kind of stretch credibility, as does a lot of the relationship between talent and promoters throughout this film. Doesn't make sense to me. But Piper's sitting there going, the gate was bigger. Oh, I should get more money. And Piper's like getting mad. And I don't know why Harry thought he was a musician. I mean, he looks at Roddy Piper. Piper is dressed like a dork. I mean, he's wearing like a suit jacket and like a polo shirt. And he's got his niece in the the waiting room who's only in the movie so that Piper can seem like a nice guy. Yeah, played by Kelly Martin, too. Who is that? I don't know. Um, She was from Life Goes On in the, uh, the 90s, that show with Corky. At Begley, uh, is that yeah. the one that? No, that's. Oh, okay, yes, the mm-hmm. one with the. Uh, he was like mentally. Yeah, he, he had mm-hmm. Downs, I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I've never seen that show. Yeah. Is she from anything else? Or now that would have been a lot later than this, or around the same time? I was guess she, she was probably older, a, a teenager, a la- her late right. teens. In, ah, in that. interesting. Um, I also want to say that she's somehow related to. Um, who was on the Little House on the Prairie? Uh, who was Sarah Gilbert or Melissa Gilbert? Melissa, I, no, she can't be related to the Gilberts. I don't know. I should have <laughs> done more. Pamela of my... Sue Martin is she related to Pamela Sue Martin? What you say her name was Martin? Yeah, Kelly, Kelly Martin. Martin yeah. Right. We'll, we'll say Pamela <laughs> Sue Martin. She could very well be related to her. She, she might be. Uh, she might be. Let me. Uh, well, look that up. I'm going to yeah. describe the rest of the mm-hmm. scene. So, so Piper is talking, and he's very upset. He's, you know, I I need more money. I should get a bigger gate. And and Harry keeps coming in, and the and the, the Booker's like, "Get out of here, Harry. Nobody likes you. You you're not you're not welcome here." And then Harry decides to start backing Piper in the argument. And so he's like, he should get some of concessions, and he should get this, that, and the other thing. And uh, the I should mention, we're at a Taco Bell. For anybody that hears the background noise, we did not go to Moe's today. We, we decided to slum it at Taco Bell. It was very good. They have these uh, brand-new Cinnabon things that are just like a Cinnabon wrapped into, wrapped into a meatball. It's fantastic. So... So anyway, Harry says he's gonna he's gonna manage him, and then uh, gets outside, and of course we we get to see Piper with his niece, who is Kelly Martin, who um, isn't related to the Gilberts, right? But um, there is a connection to to Little House. Michael Landon is on Little House on the Prairie. Yes, right? um, she got into acting through her aunt, who was Michael Landon's nanny. 
Oh, in yeah. real life. Yes. Oh. Um, and, and now um, she's mostly out of acting. She owns a toy store. Let me tell you a Michael Landon story. When I was a kid, you would always see Little House on the Prairie. Michael Landon would have that big feathered hair over his ears. And my dad would always say, you know, he has no ears. He was born without ears, and that's why he wears his hair that way. And I believed it. I believed it until I was much older. And I remember, like, going on the Internet and Googling it and being like, that didn't make any sense. Why did my dad tell me that? But the funny thing was he used to say it all the time, too. Like, every time I'd be like, that's not really true about his ears. He's like, no, no, he, he didn't have ears. And I'd be like, you could see kind of his ear there. He's like, yeah, he'd wear fake ears, but they'd cover him up with the hair. Did, did Landon ever break gimmick with the hair? I mean... Uh, off stage and on, I think yeah. he was always rocking that same... I think Highway to Heaven, he had, a, he had a, some long locks. Yes. I'll tell you, this is why the gimmick... <laughs> this is why the joke worked on me. All right, so he gets outside, and, and Dirk Benedict's so like... He's like, so what do you do? Do you do heavy metal? Do you do rock and roll? Well, please don't... Please tell me you don't do New Wave. And then Captain Lou Albano shows up with another wrestler, and... Captain Lou Albano's like, I, Captain Lou Milano, (laughs) am very upset with you. And then they they get into like a a skirmish, and Piper ends up putting the guy into a fountain. Mm -hmm. Um, It seems like this happens all the time, because Piper says to his niece, he's like, go in the car, baby, I got to take care of this, you know. Yeah, Captain Lou's his manager. Right, but he's he's leaving Captain Mm -hmm. Lou to go with the Mm -hmm. Smilek team. Yeah, now this is the point where I want to ask you, where they determine the names here, because Captain Lou is playing basically himself. Right. They changed his last name for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but Piper is playing Quick right. Rick Roberts. Roberts. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's basically playing himself. So it's like, right. why, you know, why keep Captain Lou's name? I think as, I have an absolute okay. answer. For I couldn't this. figure it out. Nope. I think I know okay. the answer. Captain Lou Albano probably had full rights to his name. Vince probably had full rights to Piper's name. Uh, that's okay. my guess. Yeah, yeah. That's my guess on it mm-hmm. was that uh, it just had to do with how much of a trademark they wanted to pay to who. And Captain Lou was probably like, mm-hmm. I'll take the money, whatever you want to give me, I'll do it. <laughs> um, we see the Tonga Kid. Now, this is really cool. Roddy Piper's partner. And again, we're like halfway through this movie yeah, yeah. and we haven't really established the plot of the film. Yeah. But Roddy Piper's partner is the Tonga Kid. Who Playing is t- Tonga Ton. Yes. <laughs> Yes, and he was, uh, this was Tama from the Islanders, mm-hmm. as well as the, uh, the brother of Umaga and uh, Rikishi. So this is, uh, this is also then a relative of the Rocks Rock. and everybody yeah. else. And Siki and Af- yes. Afa, oh, yeah, sure, who absolutely. were in, earlier in the movie. Yep, D- directly related to them. And I Roman mean, Reigns. Sure, related to Roman Reigns. Uh, I mean, apparently everybody from the Isle of Samoa is in the WWE. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's really got to be like, if they did their Hall of Fame, it would just be the WWE Hall of Fame without all the guys that weren't from Samoa. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I've ever heard of anybody, and maybe there are, but I don't think I've ever heard of anybody that was Samoan excelling in something other than wrestling or football. Football, yeah. I mean, I'm sure that they do great things. Uh, but I just don't know of any Samoan pop stars or Samoan... I mean, I wouldn't hear of if there's a lot of great Samoan it's, chemists. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah, know yeah. that. So the pop perhaps, stars are probably regionally in Samoa. You right. Know, they yeah, no, have, I'm you know, sure, yeah. Well, I guess they but do. But there's been no international. Exactly. It need, the Rock needs to put out an album. 
No, I, I don't think it counts at this point. If The Rock puts out an album, it's still a wrestler first. I don't count actor either because The Rock was a wrestler first. All of the Samoan actors I can think of were wrestlers first. So I, I don't count them as, as Samoan actors, but wrestlers turned actor. Yeah. There could probably be a whole podcast devoted to... The, the Rock's ancestry, <laughs> yes. and then just like slowly breaking down his family tree. I know. I think you could literally do the same show every week, where you just went through the family tree, and every every week you'd start at the beginning and get to the end, and everybody'd be like, "That's fascinating. I can't wait till next week to hear that again." Well, we didn't mention the Usos. He's also That's right. To the Usos, <laughs> as we should mention the Usos. <laughs> Um, so the, the subplot, there's a bunch of women that are gathered together for this event that he's going to be throwing for the senator. Yeah, I guess he owes, the, mayor he, he, the, he owes the his lawyer, he owes him a favor, I guess. Right, so, which is why he was going to the booker in the first place. I mean, this is a thread throughout yeah. the movie. Like you mentioned, it's kind of odd. It's just to kind of tie the whole movie together. It feels kind of weird and forced. Yeah. But they kind of don't dwell on it. It kind no. of, like when they had that scene... The scene's just played for laughs, and they kind of move on. So you could, if you were watching it, not focus on that part of the story. And then when the guy shows up at the end, be like, I don't know, he's the mayor or the governor or whatever he's supposed to be. And, you know, there's nothing about it that's that unusual. Uh, We see the cannibals. Now, this is the barbarian and then some other guy. Yeah, who, who, who wrestled, but nowhere near on the level. that the Barbarian did. I mean, the Barbarian wrestled in both WCW and WWF. Right, right. And this guy, this other guy, um, wrestled as well as did a lot more acting. Okay, yeah. to play, have played a thug in a lot of B-movies. He was like, he's like, hey, I spend a couple weeks on set or I spend 285 days (laughs) on the road. That's right. (laughs) Now, the Barbarian was once part of a tag team with Haku. Which the Tonga Kid was also part yeah. of the Islanders with Haku. Uh, the Barbarian was better known for the Warlord and Barbarian combo, mm-hmm. which was just, it looked like muscle with steroids and muscle with probably steroids. <laughs> but it was like Warlord looked like they were, you know, they were juicing him as he was wrestling, and Barbarian looked like he probably took them backstage, but you, but you weren't totally sure. Um, this, these two guys, though, look like the Warlord and Barbarian. When yeah. I first saw it, that's who I thought it was, and then I was like, I don't think that is, the, but it's definitely the Barbarian, but I don't think that's the Warlord, uh, just because he's not big enough. Uh, but they, these guys are played up as being monsters. And they're going to kill Roddy Piper. They're yeah. going to—they'll kill him. Charles Nelson Riley Craig. <laughs> so um, it, it turns out that Roddy gets Smilak an appearance on the number one rated talk show in America. Yes, this is the. <laughs> Most popular, at least wrestling talk show, but yes, it seems to be huge. And so we've got Charles Nelson Riley, who is one of the funniest people that ever lived, uh, appearing in this movie, which is just weird. Billy Barty, who is possibly the most famous... Little person. Well, it's tough to say, but he's certainly one of the most famous, at least of the old old era, mm-hmm. you know, the, the more golden age of film. He's like, he was, for a long time, he was considered the most famous midget, which was the term they used then, that was not in Wizard of Oz. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he was in a lot of things. You've seen him in UHF, you've seen him in lots of things. Old man, usually, in the 80s, and very funny, and, you know, was a... Uh, very, very talented performer. Uh, he is in this, uh, and almost everything he says is faggot. That seems to be his only <laughs> word. Um, 
this is, you should also remind you that this is a different time yeah, yeah. when this was okay. Now, when Dirk Benedict was talking about the movie, that was one of the things he thought was the funniest. <laughs> he was like, Billy Barty's there, and he just keeps saying faggot. Um, yeah, and so there's this another is, little person in the audience that holds up a sign. Holds up a sign. He's all into you, it. Yeah. yeah um, very interesting. So, yeah, this was uh, 1987, and that was uh, totally acceptable. But it wasn't just 87. I remember going to Attitude Era wrestling events in, like, the 90s oh. where the crowd would chant that. You'd get yeah. 36,000 people chanting it at the top of their yeah. lungs, and now it's like a word I don't think you're allowed to say on TV. Yeah. We actually had a pretty funny... Um, experience with that word at a wrestling event. Is this with the two kids? Yeah. You know, these are like teenagers, right? They're young yeah. teenagers. Yeah. They, uh, they were like with dad or whatever. They were not of driving age. Yeah. These were like maybe 12, 13 year old mm-hmm. kids. And, um, and I remember, what two things I remember. Um, the other thing I remember about them was one of them was eating nachos and then he had the nacho cheese getting it all in his hands and he would just reach across and wipe it down that <laughs> pant leg. And it was the pant leg right next to me, just sliming that cheese on there. And then I remember, um, at one point, I lean over to him. I said, "Could you use the other leg for that?" <laughs> and and he did. But the other thing I remember was there was uh, one of the guys was trying to get in the row. He had he had left, and the guy leans forward and puts his knees against the seat in front of him yeah. to not let his friend yeah, in. Yeah, he was giving him a hard time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And his friend goes, "Come on." Don't be a fag. And the other guy goes, I'm sorry. And he backs up. You know, had he said, don't be a jerk, he would have been like, yeah. no, I'm going to be yeah. a jerk. I'm yeah, that ended up. it immediately. Yeah, that was like, the oh. nuclear. It's like, oh, my God, I don't want to be. Uh, but it is very interesting. Charles Nelson Riley was a homosexual. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and uh, it is very interesting the, uh, that that was totally, everybody saw that in the script. Nobody objected. Yeah. And it's played totally for laughs. No one in the movie goes, how dare you say that? Yeah. Uh, everybody is amused by this. This is a piece of dialogue that's there just solely for the sake of making everyone involved laugh and feel good. No one is supposed to feel bad at this moment. Yes. And the set of this talk show is oh, awesome. Beautiful. It's uh, basically a, a ring well, with the backdrop that they probably used on those commercials that Rocky was filming in Rocky too. Right, so there's like a backdrop with people, yeah. fake people, cardboard people, but then there is a crowd on the other yes. side. I love it's it. A live studio audience. And it, it almost is, it's like half a ring, and it almost looks like the ring is kind of sloped mm-hmm. at an angle so you can see the ring better yeah. on television. It looks, it, it looks like it would be the greatest wrestling show. Mm-hmm. I don't know why Vince never did this for yeah, primetime no. wrestling yeah. or... Yeah, I don't know. It was fantastic. And then there's chairs in the ring for them to sit down and talk. And he's having basically a, a manager's roundtable, I guess. Uh, and these are the three managers. Captain Lou Milano. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Harry Smilek and then Billy Barty's character. Yeah. Who's just mad. At, they're both mad at Harry. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, because um, he's the new guy coming in and he's taking away all their clients. That's right. They've worked out their deal. The, mm-hmm. the two of them are set. So uh, so then we get this, this merging of rock and wrestling. He's going to have rock and roll and yeah. wrestling together. He's managing a band called Kicks. Yes. No, Kick. Well, they changed the name oh, to Kick. Okay, well, to explain you, this because I missed this then. Um, In yeah. all the times I've watched this, yeah, I've missed this. They're called Kicks, K-I-C-K-S, not to be confused with the real band, Kicks, K-I-X. Okay. Um, and when they go on the road, they drop the S because Harry says to somebody, you never hear of the Who's mm-hmm. or um, one other band, and then the yeah, guy names, goes, and he's yeah, like, what about the, the Beatles? Beatles. Yeah. And then end scene. Yeah, he's like, you never hear of... 
the kisses. Who, yes, I think is one of them. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I didn't, I didn't catch that. Yeah. So now, is there a real band that was named Kicks, or was that part of the movie? K I. Well, I don't know who the band in the movie was, right? But there was a real rock band called Kicks. K I. Did they mention that in the film though? No. Just, oh, so no. But they changed their name. What do they say? Like we're changing our name so as not to be confused with them, or just because Harry thinks it's it, they'll be big time. If yeah, Harry. Rock. Harry thinks that I caught all that. They can okay. only get success without the S. Gotcha, gotcha. With, with kick. Oh, fantastic. Good stuff. So they they. Uh, I go on this wrestling tour, and they go to this arena where there's usually a hog auction. Yeah, yeah. A livestock mm-hmm. auction of some kind. With the grandfather from House of a Thousand Corpses, who I'd never seen wow, in I another movie other than House of a Thousand Corpses. And he's much younger um, mm. than he was in House of a Thousand Corpses. And it was his voice that wow. triggered me. I'm watching the movie, and I said, I know this guy. You, know the, you hear the voice. And I was like, oh, he's the grandpa from House of a Thousand Corpses. And I'm like, oh, that's... So he was a real actor before Rob Zombie yeah. used to be. Yeah, so it was kind of neat. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. I didn't. I did not catch mm-hmm. that. I've seen that movie, but I didn't. I didn't yeah. make the connection. Um, there is a a giant sign everywhere in this arena that says "The Wild Pair." It's a, it's in a in a large circle, and I googled it to find out what the Wild Pair was. It was a shoe store. So I guess this arena was somehow sponsored by the Wild mm-hmm. Pair in real life. And they didn't bother to cover up the signs for the movie. Uh, but it appears to still be a shoe store chain. Uh, I found a number of images online that still had the old image. Is that one of the first instances of a uh, an arena uh, being branded with a... Well, this arena, let's mind you, <laughs> this arena is not very big. This yeah. is a... Uh, this is this looks like a warehouse. This may have yeah. been a shoe warehouse, Craig. <laughs> this may have been a shoe warehouse yeah. that... Uh, um, well, let's see. So... The first instance of an arena being tagged with the name of a company. It's a very interesting question. Um, I'm trying to think. They, I mean, there was stuff like, for example, it's not an arena, but Times Square was named after the New York Times. Mm-hmm. And so I wouldn't be surprised if there was one, but it was far classier yeah. before this time. But now, yeah, I, I'm telling you, the day is coming where we don't have the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. We have, you know, where they're like, you know, the uh, Joe's Crab Shack Steelers yeah, yeah. are playing against the Mountain Dew. I mean, like, you already have that in soccer. They've got, like, yeah. the, the Red Bulls yeah. are a team. They didn't even become the Red Bulls sponsor this team, and they have another name. They're just like, screw it. The product <laughs> is the name of the team. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's interesting. I... I I'm going to go with, though, I, I, I bet it was a, a shoe store yeah. that they set up a ring in and filmed it. <laughs> uh, so their wrestling is like this local. Well, like, well, the thing is, um, this guy isn't able to book. Um, I think this is how they come to do their rock and wrestling together. Doesn't he say he only he only has one night to, and he, he can't book the band uh, so one night in wrestling? And, he, and he books. He, he says, uh. yeah, I can't. I can't book you Friday and Saturday. I can only right. book you Saturday. So he puts them both on the card at the same time, and and so they're like opening for the wrestlers. But then during the match, and we'll talk about the match. But during the match, Piper and the Tonga Kid need some inspiration. So the rock band starts rocking out to the lady playing the organ. <laughs> yeah. So she's like da 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 da, and they're like wah 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 wah. Yeah. Ridiculous, and this motivates Piper and Tonga Kid. Mm-hmm. Um, this, well, this is also um, 
some of the weird comedy that runs throughout this movie. Another scene that we passed was a scene where Harry goes to the hospital for some reason, mm-hmm. and he sees a guy sitting on the street in a wheelchair who his buddy had just wheeled him out, yeah. to, and he had to go back inside and get something. And the guy's got two broken arms, and he's in a wheelchair. And basically, the scene ends with Harry patting him on the back, and, and he in rolls traffic. into traffic. And Harry's like, well, he's yeah. near the hospital. Yeah, this is when he's going to cannibals. Well, basically, the reason they go on the tour oh, is because oh, So it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, I jumped No, no, no it has happened. Okay. It, I think it happened. I, 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 it either happened right before mm-hmm. this or right after. But the cannibals... Who are world champs. Yes, they wrestle against Piper and Tonga Kid, and they put them in the hospital. So Harry's like... We got to go on tour so as to get away from them because, because in this area, in the LA area, Captain Lou Albano and Billy Party run the town. <laughs> By the way, I love the scene of Piper and Tonga in the hospital because Harry's he's devastated. He goes, yeah. "I can't believe I, I, I yes. feel so bad for you guys," and they're both like, "Hey." It happens. We Come took a big the territory. Yeah. I mean, they're both so positive. They're like super positive. Like <laughs> we'll get it back. Yeah, you know. I Sometimes mean, you got to take a beating. Piper saying as his jaws yeah. like wired shut. Yeah. You almost wonder why they didn't become, uh, you know, going. Why they didn't go on the road as mo- motivational speakers <laughs> instead? They're like, look what happened to us. But we we're doing fine. You too can do fine. <laughs> yeah. So they, they have these two locals. Uh, it's a brother team. First one's like this guy. He's like Pee Wee Smith. And yeah. he comes out. It's and Pi- $1,000 if you can pin Piper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now this is something they used to do. They would, mm-hmm. you know, wrestlers would go to a town, and they'd have a guy who they would call him a hooker because he, he would sleep with all the other No, no, because he, he could hook anybody and tie them up in knots. You weren't necessarily the best wrestler. You were just the guy that was, you, had, you knew the holes that could lock somebody mm-hmm. up. And so they would bring out the biggest guy in town, and they'd put him in there against this wrestler, this grappler, and the grappler would tie him up in knots, and, you know, the, the big guy would lose. And they would go into your town, and this happened all over the place. And, I mean, sometimes your guy would lose, and I think at that point you left him off the bus, and you went and got a new guy. Yeah, yeah. But this was like a, you know, a big-time thing that would happen in, uh, in the old carnival days of wrestling. And so they kind of bring this back where they show up. They've got two wrestlers to, to go around you know, on this tour. So they show up in this town, and they call out these people, and it's not, uh, it's not fixed. Mm-hmm. You know, there's real guys coming out of the crowd. The first guy is this guy, Pee-wee, and Piper and Tonga Kid are like, we can't fight this yeah. guy. He's so small. And then they're like, and his brother, Tiny... And Tiny comes out, and he's a monster of a man, just a, a big mountain of a man. Pounds on Piper, pounds on Tonga Kid. Rock and roll music resurrects them, and they end up winning the match. But Harry's like, let's sign these guys. So we do see them, like, in, the, in some of the scenes later on, they're there. You know, these two... Uh, follow along as part of this rock and wrestling tour. And isn't there a double pin that it takes both Tonga and yeah, Roddy oh yeah, to pin him? Yeah. Which, uh, Well, maybe it's a free-for-all, Craig. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we don't know the rules yeah. of the go-to-a-town and have rock and roll music in the in the Wild Bear Auditorium. The Good rules, point. Good point. Wild Bear rules may yeah. be totally different than what you're used to. They might have, only, they might have actually had a fight by the Wild Bear um, <laughs> rules, you know, it was one of those things where if you go into a territory, you got to go by that sports commission's okay. rules. Yes. Uh, we see that they are on the cover of Rolling Stone magazine, and we see this for a very long time because the graphics department worked hard on this, and they wanted to make sure this shot was captured very well. Yeah, and I guess was this a, a time where I guess you could do that, or 
what do you say? I mean, can you, oh, show Rolling Stone. Well, maybe they paid for it, yeah. but um, you know, or no, not paid for it. Told the Rolling Stone, you know, we, we'd like to use. I know that they do. They're much more um, selective about that. I don't know about using Rolling Stone uh, on a cover, but I do know stuff like years ago. If you were shooting a movie, you could have extras in baseball caps. Yeah. And now, if you do, you have to have permission yeah. from Major League Baseball. And it has to say so in the credits. Express, um, express written consent. Yeah, you can't have implied oral consent, Craig, <laughs> because that consent is not good. Uh, so we see the Rolling Stone magazine, and he's like, he's like, but it doesn't matter how successful we are because we don't have the tag team championship belts. If only they were around today, Vince would give them the belts. <laughs> yeah, you were on the cover of Rolling Stone. Yeah, you can have it. <laughs> the cannibals are, aren't on the cover of Rolling Stone. So they uh, they decide they're going to fight one-on-one. Captain's there. He's annoyed. Uh, Billy Barty's doing commentary with Charles Nelson Riley, but then Chick Hearn shows up because Charles Nelson Riley is beaten up by Billy Barty. Yeah. And I think Charles Nelson Riley was like, hey, I told you I'd give you two and a half days. <laughs> He's like, is there a way to get me out of here? Chick Hearn's like, I'm, uh, my ride hasn't shown up. I guess I can uh, finish the scene. Uh, the, the main event has a wonderful collection of, of wrestling legends. This blew my mind. Yeah. I had to stop the movie, pause it, and just look at the screen. Yeah. It's I mean, amazing. When you see this shot, you're like, Oh my God! They, you know, they—I don't know where they were because it's also not a group that makes any sense. <laughs> no. too. So it's the original Sheik, yes, Bruno San Martino, Lassie Freddie Blassie, and Ric Flair. Yeah. I have no idea yeah. what would have these four men together. Yeah, because yeah. Flair was nowhere near WWF at that point. No, I mean, this and that's all Bruno San Martino was, right? But I mean, this isn't also like th- it's three over the hill guys, yeah, and, and one, Rick, yeah, Rick and Flair. one guy yeah. is like the biggest guy outside of Hogan. Yeah. I don't know how this happened. Yeah. It made it made very little sense to me. I'm uh, I was totally perplexed by this uh, mm-hmm. by the lineup of guys, and we do see some cuts to them. Mm-hmm. That Bruno gets in a fist fight with a guy. Yeah, Bruno and, starts a fight, yeah. And then the whole time it was great because everybody was working their gimmick. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blassie and the Sheik are rooting for the heels. Right. Bruno uh, is, is, you know, he's doing all the face stuff, you know. And he even starts to fight, you know, defending yeah. somebody's honor. Yep. So this may be uh, where, by the way, I thought I saw, and I could not find her in the credits, but I thought I saw Nancy Benoit also oh, wow. in the okay. front row. Yeah. Uh, but I think it was just another woman that looked like her. But it looked like her from that era, too. Uh, but I couldn't find her in the credits. So unless, unless you know, which would surprise me if nobody on the Internet has figured it out. Yeah. I think she, it wasn't her. Um, so, basically, like all sports films, goes back and forth. There's Harry in a dress uh, in the corner. There's a lot of ruckus. There's some plunder. There's a lot of gimmick. And then, ba-boom, they win the titles. Credits roll immediately. Immediately. And I think this is why this movie feels so fast-paced to me, because there's no lingering. They're like, they won the titles. They get these little tiny belts. Yeah. They hold them high. Yeah. And the credits roll. We are out of here. Yeah. Don't they win with a double body slam? They each, they're doing moves ah. in sync. Yeah. Like, they're like suplex in sync. Right. You know, or about as in sync as they could be, because it was like, ah, it was close enough. What would you think of the big match? I thought it was good. Yeah, you know, I mean, if, if 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 I was watching that match on TV, uh, you good know, for that era, yeah, yeah, hey, it hit all the beats, you know. Yeah, I uh, I like the match. They they seem to film all of the arena matches 
Well, they showed the L.A. Sports Arena, which this looked like. Um, we have seen the L.A. Sports Arena on lit this way on this show for tag, tag team. team with Piper. I, yeah. With Piper, and I believe this was the exact same arena. I mean, the, the, everything about it looked mm-hmm. like the way they would light it for a house show mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, for that for that arena. So I don't know why I don't know why all these uh, why Ric Flair was there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'd love to know the real behind the scenes, you know, of that scene. You know, were they all actually there the same night? Was this, you know, were some of those guys not there the same, you know, were they, was there more than one night? Like, let's say there was one night that Ric Flair was there with the other guys and Piper wasn't there. Yeah, yeah. And so Ric Flair waves, because they, you do see them lined up. Yeah, that's like a shot I want to get on a poster. It's a really cool shot. They're like front row, yeah. Get it signed by all the living guys and then, you know, maybe get like, uh, Autograph cards and yeah. the other guys put them above it. Oh, it's really it's or Blassie's widow. Oh, that's true. Yeah. She, she probably would. After Blassie passed away, she sold a lot of his memorabilia on eBay, and uh, I bought one item from Classy Freddie Blassie's uh, estate. Oh, what'd you buy? I have a photograph from Blassie's private collection of him trying to bite Mr. T on the forehead and Mr. T looking completely bewildered and annoyed oh, that's backstage perfect. at WrestleMania 1. Oh, that's great. Yeah, and to my knowledge, other than that, it's never been anywhere else. It was taken, it appears to have been taken like with a regular mm-hmm. standard, you know, camera. So I think it was like, pipe, he was like, can I get a picture mm-hmm. with uh, Mr. T? You know, he stood with Mr. T and they, you know, they took the, they snapped the picture and that's it. It was, you know, until... Until I got it, no one really outside of his circle had seen it. Yeah. So you could, you're the rightful owner of that now. I am. You, I now own could, the rights to that picture. You could sell the rights to that. You could have that put on a T-shirt. Should, I because I do own it and I have a. If you ever go to Vegas, you can go to the you know Pawn Stars. Well, see how much and, it's worth. Yeah, and he'll be like, "Are you the, the, the are you the owner of you this? Own the rights like, of this? You'll be like, you won't find that picture anywhere else. <laughs> you know." They sold a lot of really cool stuff. That's great. I, I, I don't that remember that cool. happening. Yeah, yeah. I have to, I have to show it to you. I have to dig it up and take a picture. She of was it. on the the last raw that he was on, right? She wheeled out. She I think him so. Out yeah, yeah. Her. Well, he talks about her in uh, in my breakfast yes. with Blassie. He talks about her quite a bit. His uh, his wife was Asian, and um, uh, I believe he says Oriental. Yeah. And then he rubs the Buddha's belly, <laughs> yes. uh, so he doesn't have to tip her as much yes. on the way out. So, um, so fun match, uh, you know, uh, fun end. All the threads come together. I mean, like the mayor or senator, or whatever yeah, the hell he so was. Yeah, so basically, shows up. all the money they make, um, Smilak gives yeah. to the senator for the benefit concert that he botched, and he sets up um, Captain Lou right. with the Korean uh, collector. Right. Uh, the collector has the habit of he destroys every car every that's car. around when when Smilak doesn't pay him. Right. So Smilek makes it look like he's getting out of Captain Lou's car. Ah, so yeah, everything's wrapped flip up. Flip it over. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, you, you wrap up all the threads, let everybody go out on a happy note. Around the time that this came out, this was uh, May 17th, 87, I have a Saturday night main event from May, tw- May 2nd, which had been recorded on April 28th which I thought would be very fun to talk about because this would be really close to this time and so you get to see who was wrestling yeah. at this point in time. I used to love 
Saturday night's main event. I would wait around for it. It was, I mean, at, at, at the age we were when that show was at sort of at the peak of its popularity, uh-huh. staying up late on a Saturday night yeah. to watch anything was great. Yeah. But if you could stay up late on a Saturday night and watch wrestling... it was. Yeah. And it, this was an era which is hard to understand now, but when good matches weren't on television, yeah. except for Saturday night. You would see Hogan night. on Saturday night's main event. <laughs> but not this week. No. <laughs> uh, but uh, you normally would, which you'd never... Hogan would only do promos mm-hmm. during the week, you know, the, the regular non-pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to see Hogan, you had two things. You either had to pay for a pay-per-view or buy a ticket. Yeah. You couldn't see Hogan wrestle on your TV. I mean, it was such a rare event that that would happen. But he would wrestle on Saturday night's main event. Generally, on wrestling television back then, you wouldn't even see two stars of any caliber wrestle each other. You saw... It was always Jobber. Yeah, local guy. And then your main event would be, you know, Tito Santana versus, like, uh, maybe Ricky Steamboat. or Well, they, those two wouldn't wrestle. Those two liked each other. Maybe they'd yeah. do a handshake match. But you'd get, you know, Jim Tito Duggan versus... Don Morocco. Yeah, or... and it'd always be, like, two guys that didn't have a beef with each other. <laughs> so it'd just be like, eh, these two are going to wrestle for us, you know. And they do this gimmick a lot. Towards the end of that match, they'd be like, "We're running out of time. Stations, please bear with us. We're gonna we're gonna run over, uh, but uh, we're gonna try to beg the stations to stay with us till the end of this match." And then it would pin right at <laughs> the time when they were normally gonna end anyway. Uh, so this Saturday night's main event, which uh, again you couldn't do this today, it was taped a, you know like a week earlier. Yeah. They had taped this. Uh, Kamala beat Jake the Snake Roberts, and this was a great match because here's the deal. Kamala, kimchi would always come out with Kamala. It would either be Friday or kimchi, depending on the time. But at this point, it was a guy named Kimchi. Kimchi would wear a mask. Kimchi got involved in this match and then unmasks to be the honky-tonk man. And so this was really just a Jake the Snake honky-tonk man feud that was furthered by this great match with Kamala. I'm a big Kamala fan. We've uh, met Kamala, and Kamala is just like one of the... One of those great gimmicks, you know, that scared me to death when I was a kid. Randy Savage against George the Animal Steel. Randy uh, went over. Um, they had a feud forever. Oh, this was the whole thing about Elizabeth. Like, mm-hmm. George was uh, enamored George was, with Elizabeth. And- which, really, if you look at, let's look at this. Okay. So you have, Ran- you have Randy Savage, right? Elizabeth is, by all accounts... Uh, willfully married to him in wrestling. Now I know they would play that he was a coward and that he would he would pull her in front of yeah. him, but she she was not being held against her will no. according to storyline. On the other hand, you've got George the Animal Steel, who's this big drooling monster, who's who's lovable, but what does he want to do with Elizabeth? It's disturbing. It really is. It's disturbing. I gotta tell you. I mean, just you know, from an outsider looking in that doesn't watch wrestling, you'd be like, "Well, I gotta root for the uh, the normal, the sort of normal guy with the crazy hair and the crazy voice who's wearing a robe and a windshield for sunglasses. I gotta root for that guy over this monster. What would happen if King Kong got the girl? Nothing good. No. But George Steele loses this match. Uh, the British Bulldogs won a, uh, it was like a two out of three falls match. Uh, they won by uh, uh, DQ, but they were fighting against the Heart, Heart Foundation. Foundation. 
killer match. I mean, yeah. that is uh, those guys. That would I mean that would be on like a Saturday's main event. They would throw that in so they could kill a good chunk of TV time yeah. with these guys. Yeah, you know they were like, how work. long do you want us to go for? 20, 30, yeah. 40? <laughs> Intercontinental title. You got Ricky Steamboat winning by disqualification over Hercules. I don't know if he was Hercules Hernandez at this point. He probably was already Hercules, mm-hmm. the mighty Hercules. I love this guy. This guy, this was a gimmick that I really, really appreciated. Yeah. Uh, he just looked amazing. I mean, he was an, an amazing looking guy. He wasn't the I mean, he was probably, for a regular human being, he was probably very tall. But he didn't come across as being, like, one of the tallest guys. God, he looked great. Yeah, uh, and he was one of, it was during that era where you could, I guess, be a wrestler and be a a bodybuilder or have a bodybuilder-type physique and not be super tan. (laughs) Yeah. Hercules Hernandez, you know, well, was pale skinned. He he yeah, wasn't orange. He, he was the uh, Seamus of his yeah. day. Uh, yes, yes, indeed. Uh, also, uh, so that was Steamboat won uh, by disqualification. They had to they had to keep uh, Hercules good for the next match. Yeah, a lot of guys got protected. You know, they were they were protecting that. You know, back yeah, then. Yeah, they would give you a, they would give you big matches, but they wouldn't uh, wouldn't necessarily let all your guys get beaten. Now, at this point, what's important to understand is. The main event would have already happened. If Hogan had been on this card, he would have wrestled. because halfway through. Yeah, because it would would be in place of, like, Saturday Night Live. And so you wouldn't want your last match to be the main event because a lot of people would have tuned out. So Hogan would have already wrestled by this point, but he wasn't on the card. This is... This was Saturday night's main event number 11. They had done, you know, 10 previous. Hogan had been on all 10 before this, and this is the first one without him. And uh, they they had him back for the next one, I believe. I believe there were probably a lot of people like, why? Probably NBC people yeah, I was were say, like, including NBC, yeah. Um, I don't know what, uh, what you guys think you're doing there. <laughs> My kid wanted to see Hulk Hogan. Yeah, I mean, Hogan probably <laughs> cut a promo, but that was probably all we got to see of Hogan. Uh, main event uh, by terms of last match, which really is not a main event, was Can-Am Connection versus uh, Volkov and Sheik. Uh, I, I always liked the Can-Am Connection. I enjoyed Strike Force, but I thought Can-Am Connection of uh, Tom Zank and Rick Martel yeah, was such a good Before he became the model. Mm-hmm. Yeah, before. And you know who was in their corner? Hacksaw Jim Duggan, right. who uh, probably drove home with the Sheik. <laughs> This, this was not necessarily the time they got pulled over, yeah. but it was around the time they got yeah. pulled over. And so it's probably this feud yeah. that led to Hacksaw Jim Duggan uh, riding around in a car with... In our great state, right here, right here coming back from where WrestleMania was held earlier this year. Yeah, from that, from that <laughs> from complex. That complex. Yeah. And that was where uh, they both got busted for drugs, which killed me as a kid that... Not just that the wrestlers got busted for drugs. That was bad enough. But the fact that the bad guy and the good guy were in the car together was worse. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, I would have I would have been okay if they just got busted for drugs because they were all off TV after that point. Oh, my goodness. There's a, a famous story about Sheik being tested for drugs with WWE. And Pat Patterson goes, uh, Sheik, the uh, results are positive. Sheik's like, I told you, no drugs, I'm positive. He's like, no, 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 Sheik, the results are positive. And he's like, see, oh, that's so good, all right, positive results. So so going back to Body Slam, this uh, brings us to the all-important question. Do you tap out to mm-hmm. Body Slam? I got to say, sitting down to watch this movie, I couldn't hold it to any kind of accountability in terms of plot. Um 
I just wanted to be entertained. Right. And as a wrestling fan, um, this movie delivers that. Yes. You've got Roddy Piper, who is a great personality. You've got Tonga... Uh, Tonga Tan in the movie who is full of charisma yeah, his performance great. was great, great throughout this movie I loved him in the Islanders I, yeah. I, I, by the way we always talk about Heart Foundation Bulldogs mm-hmm. yeah. I love yeah. the Islanders they were a team that I think is almost mm-hmm. forgotten Yeah. So, so you've got a really great sort of snapshot of what was going on in wrestling in yeah. terms of talent a year and a half earlier. A year and a half earlier, <laughs> or at least in the mid-80s now when you yes. look at it. Because especially with that end scene where you've got Blassie and the, the original Sheik and, and Flair and San Martino. Right. So watching this movie, there was just too much great stuff going on from a wrestling perspective. And you had the great Dirk Benedict performance, which you rarely ever saw him as the lead in the movie. Right. Um, so no, I, I couldn't tap to this movie. Dirk Benedict, who uh, of course performed on the A-Team with Mr. Yeah. T and with Hulk Hogan on two, two episodes... Uh, also, the refrigerator Perry on one of those episodes who <laughs> appeared at WrestleMania too. Um, I, I, you know, it's no secret. I've, I, I enjoy this film. I must say, I had not paid close attention to this film in any other viewing, mm-hmm. and even on this viewing, I found myself like not really following all the plot, you know. And I mean, that's kind of, I think, the way some movies are supposed to be watched. I don't think you're supposed to watch this movie and try to memorize all the storylines. Just think you're supposed to kind of not really even laugh. You're just kind of supposed to smirk at it, yeah. and ha- and at the end be like, "Well, that was fun," and uh, that's what I thought it was. So I don't tap out to this. So Craig, thanks for joining me again on this one. Oh, thank you. This was a, a lot of fun. And we will see you next time right here on Camel Clutch Cinema. So you want to wrestle, huh? You're too little. We got ushers bigger than you. Leave. I gotta take a crap. Don't you see? Your skills plus my skills in the ring. Tag team! Howard Patrols is John Triton. What are you doing up there? Staying away from you. No more rhymes now, I mean it! Anybody want to feel it? What's that smell? Down goes Jimmy King! Oh my god, a four-post massacre! No one can survive this! This isn't even a pay-per-view!